Um, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. And kind of starting off in Luke chapters 1 and 2, we have God setting the stage for something big, right? The coming of his son. And as, as anyone who's ever had kids knows, there's a lot that goes into preparing for the coming of a child, right? So my wife, uh, she's right over there. We're going to have our baby sometime in the next three days. I don't know when. So she's already having contractions. But a lot goes into prepare for that, right? So you've got to um, buy all sorts of stuff. You've got to get like a new crib and a car seat and diapers and wipes. And um, you've got to like take a room of your house and like destroy it and rebuild it all and make it a nursery, right? Because that's what you do. And then people who are really crazy, um, they'll actually go to birthing classes, right? And they'll, they'll like pay really close attention and learn like breathing techniques and all these strange things. And they'll read books like what to expect when you're expecting. And they do all this in efforts to prepare for a baby, right? Now, if all that goes into preparing for a regular baby, it's just like all the other babies that have been born, How much more goes into preparing for the coming of Christ, right? And so um, that's what we see here in uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Luke. Uh, God the Father is setting the stage for the coming of his son. And so he's got this great big long checklist. He says, okay, uh, my son's going to be virgin born. All right, check, I've got that done. All right, my son is going to be from the line of King David. Check, I've got that done, all right. My, my son is going to um, you know, uh, come and be born in the town of Bethlehem. And oh no, they're in Nazareth. Well, that's okay. I'll just put it in Caesar Augustus's heart to um, register the entire world and that'll get them where I need them, right? So God is setting the stage. He's getting everything ready for the birth of his son. And um, this isn't really surprising to us because when we look at scripture, that's what God does in the entire Old Testament, Right? Everything is working forward to the coming of his son. Even, even as early as Genesis 3 when sin and death enter the world. And, and I need to apologize for this real quick. Um, I don't have our verses put in the screen. So today you guys are going to have to use your Bibles like old-fashioned Christians. They won't be on the screen. So, Anyways, so just, just a heads up. If you look up there, there won't be anything there. Um, so, but as early as is Genesis uh, chapter 3, God says, I'm going to send someone to come deal with sin and death, right? I'm going to send a, a savior to come crush the head of the serpent. Um, and then you, you go a little bit forward into your Bible to Genesis 22, and uh, God's talking to a man named Abram, and he tells him, Abram, through your family, I'm going to send a gift, all right? The, a blessing for all the nations of the entire world, all right? And that's what Justin was talking about earlier. And then um, you have... Uh, Going forward into 1 Kings, he tells King David that from your line, there's going to be a forever king of a forever kingdom, right? And so that's just three examples. Um, if you look at scripture, there are literally thousands, thousands of details and ways that God is positioning um, people and places and events to prepare for the incarnation of Christ. And so that, that's what he's doing. And now at long last, in the city of David, in the town of Bethlehem, in a stable when the fullness of time had come, God himself steps down into human history. And this is in Luke 2, starting in verses 6 and reading through 7. It says this, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and they lied him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All right? And so right there, that's, that's what the whole Old Testament is working forward, forward to. And it gets two verses, right? It's really, really short. But if you know who this baby is, like it's phenomenal, right? If, if you understand that this is God the Son 
right? The, the, the eternal third member of the Trinity, right? The, the creator himself, right? The, the light of the world who's going to bring light into darkness, the, the life giver. If you get who this baby is, those two verses ought to be so precious to you. And they're precious to God the Father. He's excited about this. The, the long-awaited rescuer of the world is here, but here's the problem. Nobody knows about it, right? It's, it's just in this little town and this, this small place. All, all that's around is like sheep and oxen, right? Okay, that's not going to work. And again, for all of you who've had children, all right, you just like have your kid and you never say anything about it. You don't tell him. Of course not, right? We, we, we blast it on Facebook and put a million pictures and we send out all these, you know, notifications and cards and we, we tell everybody that our child is right, right? Well, God, the father does the same thing, right? His son is here. His son has just came down to the earth and he's not going to be quiet about it, right? He is going to make it known. And in Luke chapter 3, Luke records three different pronouncements of who Jesus is um, that God the Father lets us know through three different styles of revelation. So in verses 10 through 14, we learn that, um, who Jesus is from the mouths of angels, right? Okay, and so Justin just read that for us, so I'll go. Um, an angel appears to some shepherds and he says, guys, guess what? I've got some good news for you. It'll be good news of great joy for all the people. And here it is, Christ the Savior was born today. Right? That's, that's the, the announcement. And so one angel brings the news, and then what happens behind him? The sky lights up with 10,000 other angels, right? And they respond to the good news, right? It's a choir of angels, and they, they sing, and they're rejoicing, and they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to, to those with whom he is pleased, right? So, yes, God brings out a 10,000-member choir to announce the birth of his son um, to, to these shepherds. And so... Um, that, that's the first way we see. Uh, the second uh, way we see it is later on in Luke 2. Um, it's through the, the, the lips of Christ himself. Okay, do you guys remember the story um, where Jesus, uh, his parents leave him at the temple? Right? Have you guys ever forgot a kid somewhere? Okay. Don't feel bad. Jesus' parents forget him too, right? And it's not just like, oh no, we forget. It's like three days after the fact and they can't find him. And so they go back to Jerusalem and where's Jesus? He's in his father's house, right? And so that, that, that's what Jesus tells us with his own words when he's a young little boy. He says, hey, like, you should have known where I've been at. I'm with my father. He's saying, I'm, I'm the offspring of God. Like that, that's what Jesus is telling us in Luke 2. And the third thing that, Jesus, or that Luke 2 uh, tells us about who Jesus is is uh, found in verses 29 through 32. And this is uh, from the words of a prophet named Simeon. All right, and so that's what we're going to focus on today is um, what does this prophet, Simeon, tell us about who Jesus is and what does that mean for you and I, all right? So I'm going to read verses uh, 22 through 35 and we'll get into our passage. Starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, is it, or as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they came to offer a sacrifice according what to is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came in the spirit to the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now your servant can depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. And his father and mother, they marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many Israel, a sign for the opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. All right, so that's our passage. And our story starts off with Mary and Joseph going to Jerusalem, right? They're, they're coming to the temple. And um, one thing that really stands out to, to me is um, Mary and Joseph are devout followers of God, right? So it, it's, uh, it's not hard to see why God shows them to be the parents of Christ. And really, if, and you should do this, you should go back and read through the whole birth narrative. Um, everywhere you see Mary and Joseph, they are being faithful to what scripture says, right? They're, they're obeying it down to the letter and they're, they're trusting in God's plan. And that's what they're doing here. They come to the temple um, for a particular reason today. They're there to give sacrifices for purification and number two, to dedicate Jesus as holy to the Lord, right? So that's the reason they're there. But then we run into this guy named Simeon who's there for a completely different reason, right? He's there because the Holy Spirit has has promised him and filled him with the Spirit and said, you're gonna get to see the Messiah before you die. And so today's the day. He gets filled with the Spirit. He goes to the temple and um, he knows that he's gonna get to see Jesus. But Mary and Joseph have no idea that they're going to meet this Simeon guy. So they walk to the, the temple and they've got their one month old and this strange old man just runs over there and he, he rips him up and he starts spinning him around and singing a song about him, all right? Now, you, most services would think that's strange, but this is the third service and I could actually see that happening here, all right? Someone bringing their baby the first time and you guys just take it away and say, oh, it's so beautiful. Okay, that's, that's what Simeon's doing, all right? But what he does is he sings a song about who Jesus is. And in this song, we, we learn massive and beautiful truths about this baby who was just born, all right? So that's what we're gonna look at. And um, we'll look at very first at verse 29. And this is in Simeon's song of praise. So this is the first thing he says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, all right? So the first thing Simeon says, he, he picks up baby Jesus and he says, Right here, now I can die a happy man, right? Now I can go to my grave peacefully, right? Now, usually when when you and I talk about death, we don't talk about it as a very peaceful thing. Or if we say, I want to go to my grave in peace, we mean something different than what Simeon meant, okay? When we say that, we mean, like, I hope I get to die in my sleep and don't feel any pain, right? Like, that's that's what we mean. Like, I hope my death is easy or I can leave this world and it's pain-free, Okay. That's not what Simeon is talking about. He's not talking about how he dies. He's talking about the reality of what Jesus' birth now means for his death. There's a much, a much bigger and grander truth. So Simeon's saying, hey, this little baby in my hand, he changes things for God's people concerning death. That's what he's saying. This little baby that I'm holding on to, that I, that I just picked up from Mary, he changes things. So Simeon gets that this is the prince of peace the one who would defeat sin and death in the grave. And, and, and you just got to imagine, death doesn't look so bad when the life giver's in your hands, right? And so that's what Simeon's doing. He, he holds him up and says, hey, this changes things. 
Death's going to be different for God's people now. God, you told me I get to see him and he is here and now I can die a happy man because I know who this baby is and I know what he's going to do, right? That's what Simeon's saying. And in verse 30, he tells us who he is. This is his next pronouncement, okay? Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So again, he, he lifts up this little baby and it's one month old and he says, this is God's salvation, right? That's what he's saying. Right here in my hands is the salvation of the world. Right? And you, and you got to imagine people walking by, you're, you're kind of like, what is this guy talking about? Like, this, this baby can't even, like, wipe himself or eat for himself, okay? Like, how is he a savior of anything, right? Okay, Here, here's just the truth about people, okay? Um, especially when it comes to spiritual matters, we don't often realize the danger that we're in and the salvation we need. Do you guys know that? We're pretty oblivious to, to how, how bad we are and how much we need God, right? And so... Simeon says this, he says, here's the salvation of the world. And, and some people are probably thinking, salvation from what? Okay, what danger are we in? And what, what would this little baby have to do with anything? Now, these are really important questions for everyone to ask because, because here's the truth. If you don't know what danger you're in, right? And you don't know why you need salvation, then you're gonna have a really hard time spotting a savior when he sh- shows up, Right? Like, if you don't know how bad of a situation it is, you're not going to rescue the guy who came to save you, okay? So just, just for an illustration of this, imagine that you are um, having Christmas dinner, okay? So tonight or tomorrow, whenever you're doing that, you sit down and you have, like, went all out, right? And I know that you guys do. So you got the spread and the table and all the food sitting there, and you're, you gather your family in the room and you sit down to pray, right? And so you're like, hey, would you bless the food? And as someone's praying you hear your door get just kicked open, right? It's like, and splinters are flying everywhere. And some masked men come in and they start ripping that your wives and your children. And it's just like chaos. Food is flying on the floor. Everybody's screaming, okay? How many of you would say that those men ruined your Christmas? Right, like, I'd be pretty mad at them, right? I'd be upset. Like, what are you you guys doing? This is supposed to be like this and this. Okay, so same story. Okay, same exact thing happens. Door gets kicked in, food's flying everywhere, people and you know, wives and children screaming. Okay, but I'm gonna add two details you didn't know before. Number one, your house is engulfed in flames. All right, like the whole thing. Like it's burning down and you are going to die if you do not get out. Number two, the masked men are firemen. All right. So now let me ask you, what do you think of those men? Does your perception of them change? It obviously does, okay? You were cursing them in the first story. Now you're praising them, right? Thank you so much. You've saved my family. We love you. We owe our lives to you, right? Okay, so all that has to do with just one simple detail. Do you know what big of, what, what, what you need saved from, right? Do you understand what danger you're in? Because if you do, that's the only way you can see the Savior, all right? Many people in Jesus' day had this problem, right? They, they got to... Um, walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus. They heard all of his, all of his sermons, right? They got to see a lot of his miracles. They, they got to see him walk on water, um, tell dead people to get out of graves, right? Feed the 5,000 with just like a few loaves and fish. Okay? They got to see all that, but, but they didn't recognize him as the Savior, right? He was right in front of him. And, and that's so tragic to, for the Savior to be right in front of you, but you not to understand your desperate need for salvation. And so that, that's what um, we see Simeon say here. The, the savior of the world's here. And so we want to answer some of those questions. 
What is he the savior of? Why do we need such a great salvation? All right? Is the Bible silent on that? No. Like that is one of the big core messages all through scripture, okay? And one of the first things we see is we need a savior because we have a problem with sin and death, right? That's one of the first things. That's what it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says this, talking about all of us, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work within the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so these verses, um, the apostle Paul, he's giving us our spiritual diagnosis, right? Have you guys ever gone to the doctor and they give you diagnosis? Or, here's the test. Here's what, what the results are. Here's how bad you're off. Okay, that's what Paul is doing, okay? And you can't get much worse results than dead, right? Like if you go to the doctor and they're like, hey, here's the results. You're dead. Like you're in trouble, right? Like there's no hope if you're dead. And, and that's what Paul says. He doesn't just simply say, hey, by the way, you're, you're sick in your sin, right? So, you know, like, yes, okay, then we would just say, all right, well, give me a little medicine, right? Or write me a prescription. What do I need to do to make myself better, okay? Um, Paul doesn't just say, hey, you're, you're kind of drowning in sin, right? So as if we could, like, struggle and do something to save ourselves and come up from here. Okay, it's much worse than that. He says, you're dead. Nothing you can do. You are dead in your sin. And so that's why we need salvation. We need a life giver. Right? We need someone who will come down and put life in our dead, our spiritually dead self. And that's who Jesus is. He's, he's, um, that's what John 1 says, speaking of the incarnation. He's, he's the light of man and the life of man. Okay, Meaning that he, he brings light to dark things. People in dark places like us. And he, he puts life in dead things and, and puts life where there wasn't life. And so that's why um, the first reason we need Jesus. Because we are dead in sin. Okay, so the, the next thing that scripture is really clear on is apart from Christ, we are under the wrath of God. Okay, so we are completely um, under the wrath of God. And so this is in, one second, I got my, got my notes out of order from the last service. And we're back on track. All right, so uh, I thought that looked strange to me. All right, so Romans 2 uh, five through eight says that this is what we or is why we're under the wrath of God. It says, "But because you are of your hard and impotent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who, by patient and well doing, seek glory and honor and immortality, he will give them eternal life. But for those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth." but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury, okay? So um, in Romans, Paul's saying that the other problem that we have is we're under the wrath of God because of our sin, okay? Meaning, meaning that God is holy and he is just, and he's not just gonna wink at sin, right? He, he's not just gonna say, oh, it's okay that you've rebelled against me and you've, you've said no to my ways and done things your whole your life, your, 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 by your way your whole life. He's not just gonna push sin off as if it doesn't matter, right? Sin's a big deal. And God's holy and just and he's going to condemn sin. So wrath and judgment are coming for those who are apart from Christ. And so either the, God's gonna deal with our sin one way or another, right? Either through his plan of salvation which is Jesus, okay? Please pick that way. 
It's a much better way, right? Or he's going to deal with it in a place called hell for eternity, right? Like that's, that's what scripture is very clear on. So we, we see here that we have a, a big problem. Why do we need salvation? Because number one, we're dead in sin. Number two, we're under the righteous wrath of a holy God, all right? But here's the deal. Simeon just told us there was good news concerning these things, right? He just said, hey, listen up. Here's some good news. Salvation is here. Like there's a way to to not be dead in sin. And there's a way to be removed from under the wrath of God, right? That's what Simeon's saying. God has done something about this. So what has God done about our problem of sin and death? Simeon tells us this in verses 33 through 35. And so his father and mother, they marveled at what was said about him. So Mary and Joseph They just hear that Jesus is the rescue of the world and they're marveling over these things. And Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. As for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So um, what Simeon's saying there to, to Mary and Joseph, he says, hey, this great salvation All these wonderful things, that death is going to be changed for God's people, that there's a way to escape sin and death and the wrath of God, okay? All that is going to come at a crazy big cost, Mary. Like, that's what he's saying. He says, your son will be rejected. He's going to be opposed. And he says, Mary, something is coming that's so painful for you, it's going to be like someone takes a dagger and they stick it right in your heart and soul. Okay, Simmons talking about the cross. Uh, that's what he's looking forward to. He's saying, here's salvation. He came, and there's where he's going. That's how it happens, right? He's looking way down the road, 30-some years down the road, and he's saying, here's what's going to happen. You're, here's why your son was born. Your son was born so that he could die. That's what Simeon's saying, okay? Because if you think about it, here, here's the truth. God cannot die, right? God, God, God cannot bleed. God cannot be taken and staked to a cross and suffer and die unless, unless he puts on flesh. That's the only way it's possible, right? That's the only way it's possible. That's why the incarnation is such a big deal because that's why he puts on flesh and blood so that he can go die and bleed on a cross for you and me. That's what Christmas is about. He's coming to, to rescue. He's coming to save. He's coming. He's being born so that he can die and take our spot. Man, I hope you see that. That's, that's why Simeon gets so excited because he knows who Jesus is. He understands that this is, the only, this is the only way that we can be free from our sins and removed from out from under the wrath of God, all right? And so the last thing that Simeon addresses for us is, who is this good news for, right? So, man, is it just like, it just these few people over here, is it just the Jews? This is what Simeon says concerning these things in verses 31 and 32. So my eyes have seen your salvation, verse 31, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. You are a light and a revelation to the Gentiles and you are glory for your people Israel. Okay, so here's what Simeon's saying. He's saying God's plan of salvation is for all peoples, right? He's saying it's for the nations, not only Jews, the people of God, but the Gentiles, all peoples, every tribe, tongue, nation, um, rich or poor, black or white, educated, uneducated. God's saying, I'm offering this salvation to all people. 
Man, that is good news for us because I don't know about you guys, but I'm not Jewish, right? And so here's the deal. God, Simeon's saying this, this salvation, this um, death-changing thing that, that Christ has done, this is made available through Christ to all men. This is what Romans 3 says in verses 29 and 30. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, also of the Gentiles, since God is the one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. All right, so there the Apostle Paul is telling us the same thing. Salvation is, is available to all through faith, right? Through faith in Christ. So that, that's, that's the, the, the piece that we got to have with this. Jesus is the Savior, right? He, he put on flesh and blood so that he could go die on a cross, right? That, he, that's already been done. He already did that for all who will trust in him, right? That, that's, that's, that's how you get joined to Jesus. That, that's how you get to um, experience salvation from sin, death, and the wrath of God. You have to trust in Christ. Believe on him. Rest on all that he has done. You got to accept God's plan of salvation. And so that, that's what Simeon is telling us here, that this has been made available to all, and it's made available through faith in Christ. Okay, so as, as we wrap up, I want to ask you, have you experienced such a salvation, right? If you have, man, you should be celebrating Christmas more than anyone else in the town of Woodward, right? I mean, like, if, if for real, if your state was dead in sin, no spiritual life in you, under the wrath and fury of a righteous God, but Christ came and he changed all that, like, that's what Christmas is about, right? That's what you celebrate. That's what you focus on. Okay, that's, that's what you, you gather your kids around. It. And I, man, I'm all for presents and food and fun. Like, do all those things, but don't neglect that, right? Like, that, that's, man, that's something to rejoice about. So get, gather your kids up. Read them this story, right? Tell, tell them about this God and what he's done. That, that's what you should do. And then celebrate it with them. Like, grab a, a hymn book or sing songs or something. Praise this God who changed things for you. If, and if you don't, if you don't know who Jesus is, then I pray that today is the day you find out. I, I pray that as we've been talking, maybe your eyes have been, for the first time, have been opened to your, your bad, broken spiritual condition. Maybe you didn't know what you need saved from. Like, that's possible. Nope, there's times we all didn't know that, right? Like, we all start off. I had a point in my life where I thought everything was just great, but I was under the wrath of God and I was living in sin, okay? That's possible. So maybe you need to, to look into that and, and see how, how terrible your position is with this holy God. And after you see that, okay, you, know, you don't stay there, right? Do what Simeon did. You look at the Savior, right? You, you, you behold Christ and you say, here's the answer to my biggest problems of, of sin and death and separation from God forever. It's Jesus. And you trust in his plan. Man, and then you celebrate Christmas like you never have before. Like, do that today. That would be such a beautiful thing. So as I pray now, um, as, we, as we close in song, I want you guys to think about how God would have you respond. So, that, man, God's word, he initiates with us. Isn't that awesome? Like, he, he doesn't just leave us alone. He speaks through his word to his people. And that, that elicits, we need to respond, right? Okay, and, and so pray and ask how God would have you respond today, how he would have you obey his scriptures or react to the good news that you've heard today. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are so good. We thank you for coming down wrapped in flesh. Man, you, God, you left your throne room on high and you came down to a broken and sinful world that hated you. 
They, they rejected you. They, they wanted nothing to do with you. But God, you loved us even when we were unlovely. And you were kind and you were merciful and you pursued us even when we ran from you. And you brought down the most wonderful gift of salvation. And we praise you for that. Thank you for the baby Jesus being born, humbly coming to a, to a stable and a stalls and to shepherds and then living a, a life of humility and then dying in humility on a cross in our spot for our sins. Help us to accept that gift by having faith in Christ alone. We pray this all in your name, amen.